0: The Gospel according to John, the twelfth chapter, beginning at the twenty-seventh verse. Jesus speaks, now, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd, standing by, heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show by what death he was to die. The crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become Sons of light. Amen. (coughs) The greatest hours in anyone's life are not always the best hours. We are not always healthy and happy hours. As a matter of fact, most of the greatest hours in our individual lives come in moments of crisis. They come when we would rather they not come when we wish we could run and avoid them instead of facing them. The great hours of any person's life are usually not easy hours. Our Lord Jesus had one of the greatest hours in his life as he stood facing the cross. Now, Jesus knew who he was. He was the Son of God. At that particular time in history, He knew what his job in life was to do. He knew he had been created to become the sacrifice for the sin of mankind. He knew that he had to die. He knew that unless he be lifted up on a cross, he would never be successful in the purpose, the destiny, for which God had sent him to this earth. But Jesus didn't want to die and he told his father he didn't want to die but thank God and thank Jesus even when he had the great temptation before him to run away from his destiny to compromise with his purpose in life he did not do it and from that I think any student of the Bible can see that one of the greatest hours in any person's life is when he is tempted to compromise his destiny but he refuses to do so. You see, each one of us, like Jesus, has been created for a purpose. And that purpose, I believe, if you can put your confidence in Scripture, which we do, That purpose for which you and I have been created is one to bring joy, happiness, and fulfillment in this earth. I do not believe God creates anyone to be damned. That's a choice we make, not God. And God, to bring about a successful purpose in us, he has given to each one of us, no two of us the same, but to each one of us, a combination of abilities and limitations. And if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and truly try to walk humbly with our fellow man, then God leads us to that destiny for which we have been created. And in finding, working towards that destiny, this is where we find fulfillment and joy in life. But there comes to each one of us, just as there came to Jesus, the temptation to compromise that destiny, to become detract from that purpose. And we find it in so many different ways. The temptations can come through a problem, through a personal pleasure, through even pain. Sometimes they come when we have a desire for pride, popularity, and prestige. But there are oh so many temptations that constantly come before us, trying to get us to compromise the purpose for which we are living and have been created by God and redeemed by Jesus Christ. Now every time we yield to one of those temptations, we rob a little bit of that potential that God expects of us. And the more we refuse to follow Christ's leading, the less we come to the fulfillment of the potential which God has created within us. Therefore, you see, it is very important, not only for us as individuals, but for the larger community of the world as well, to see the importance of being able to say no as did Jesus when we are tempted to compromise the destiny for which we have been created. In this permissive generation, I think we do wise with these graduates and for those of us who are in the school of life, To be reminded that history shows that any great institution organization nation empire all of these have been built and preserved with two kinds of people one those individuals who say yes to god and those individuals who say no to temptation now let's just take for example the judeo-christian protestant tradition of which we are a part and without which you and I would not be in this place of worship today. Look back and you will find that we are here, not because just some people said yes to God, but because some people way back there said no when they were tempted to do less than that for which God created them. Over 3,000 years ago, the people of Israel God's chosen people, they found a friend in Egypt because Joseph had said no to the sensuous demands of Potiphar's wife. Later on in history we find that Israel's religion was preserved because three men in a furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, together with their friend Daniel, refused to worship the altar that Nebuchadnezzar had built, and even to that king they said, no. To me, one of the most helpful books in the Bible is Esther. And if you will remember that Mordecai was able to help the Jewish people in a time when they seemed to be destined for defeat. And he was helped because he had help from Esther. But Esther would never have been the second wife of the king of persia if the first wife bashti had not said no to the king you and i would not have the opportunity for liberation for freedom to be able to do what we want to do in love if it had not been for jesus christ and his death upon the cross But there were many people that tried to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross, and when he was on it, you know there were many who tried to get him to come down off of it. But he said, No! We worship here today in the Reformed tradition because a Roman Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther stood before the Diet of Worms, I think in 1521, and said, Here I stand, I cannot do any other, so help me, God. And to the religious leaders of the church, he said, no. We are built in a tradition of people who have said no. And I think it's high time in our American society we realize that that word, is just as powerful in building a nation in building a church in building a life as any word in our english vocabulary however you interpret genesis 3 it really doesn't matter for this point whether you want to accept that as historically happening Or rather, figuratively, there's a message there. The message is always the same. Sin came into the world when a person refused to say no. That was Adam's problem. He could not say no. He was given the great responsibility of naming every animal that crept upon the face of the earth and every flower he was to give its name. And it must have been Adam or the descendant of him who who called that one particular beast a rhinoceros and a particular flower of the field a chrysanthemum. But do you realise he could not say the second shortest word in our English vocabulary? No. He couldn't do it. And that's the way sin gets into the world. Through Adam? Or through you and me? when we cannot say no and the greatest moment in anybody's life no matter how often it comes is in that hour when you are tempted tempted to live less than god intended you to live and tended to compromise the destiny for which you have been born you look that tempter in the face and you say, no. That's a great moment in any person's life, as is that moment when you hear the Word of God and you understand it. That's a great moment in life, and that's part of the greatest hour of your life. When you hear the Word of God and praise the Lord, you understand it. I guess I'm especially sensitive to it, trying to be a minister of the gospel. But I know in one of my jobs as being a pastor and preacher is to be involved in the business with words. And those of us who take preaching and teaching seriously know that especially in this day in which we live, words, they can fly over people's heads so easily. Many times when I'm standing here preaching, I'm sure Mr. Beaver has the same, same, same sensation from time to time. I wonder how many of you are listening. I keep finding that I'm haunted with that same question over and over again. Dick, why do not more people respond to the word of God? Why? Wanting to be fair, we're not making the message clearly enough as we present it from the pulpit. If that's the case, it's the preacher's fault. But maybe some of you aren't listening. If that's the case, that's your fault. But what happens when we up here doing our best and you out there are doing your best and still there's no understanding of this which is to be the staff of life? Whose fault is it? I've asked that question many, many times because this is one of the great mysteries. I can be a part of a worship service preaching just like we are here this morning. Two people sitting side by side. Maybe they're even related with the same blood in their veins. One person with the singing of the music and the hearing of the God's word being preached and read, he's lifted to the seventh heaven. And the person sitting beside him, who I say may carry the same name and have the same blood running in his veins, he falls asleep. Now, what's the difference? A suggestion of an answer has often come to me in this passage of Scripture which we read here today. Because on that particular day, a voice came from heaven, and there were three interpretations of what happened. Some people, when that voice came, said, Oh, that's very thunder. Other people said, no, it's the voice of an angel. But Jesus said, it's the voice of God. And it is being spoken for your benefit, not for mine. Do you see what happened? We believe it in the Presbyterian Church that for people not only to hear, but what is more important, to understand the message of salvation, it depends not only on the speaker and on the hearer, but on the whole Spirit working in that dynamic. We believe that we cannot even say that Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit first gives us that interpretation. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father who is in heaven has brought this understanding to you. And one of the greatest moments for ours in any person's life is when he is sitting in a congregation like this or in a counseling room or talking one-to-one with some evangel. And suddenly the message which he has heard in church, the message that he's been listening to for a long time, suddenly he finds himself in relationship to it and identified with it. And we say hallelujah. Amen. It's a great day in the kingdom. And you hear the word of God, and you understand it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the work of the Spirit of God. And when it comes to you, and none of us knows when that comes, it's one of the greatest hours in any person's life. Many people seated here today, I'm looking right into your faces, you've had that experience. Maybe have been as part of a church for years. Maybe you've been in church school. And then suddenly, because you some experience that happens in life, and the older I grow, the more I realize that the understanding of the message can come only to somebody who has suffered, who has known pain, because there's never any gain without pain. This person has come to an understanding Praise God. That's a great hour in any person's life, as is the hour when you get a little glimpse of the light of God's guidance, and you follow it. You see, God does not direct us with searchlights and with big, powerful spotlights and heavy beams. No, no. It's like a little flashlight in a big, dark room, That's the way God's revelation comes. A little light here, a little voice there, a little guidance in between. I heard a sermon once preached that God never reveals to us what's going to happen way down life's highway, but only does he give us enough light to take one step. And it's when we take that one step that then he gives us light to take a second step, and so on and so on, until our destiny is reached. And our responsibility is not to worry about the light way down there, but the little bit of light that he gives unto us, the light of guidance, and to have the courage to follow it. And this can happen in so many different ways, ladies and gentlemen. It it happens to all of us in different ways. The only way I really know it happens is the way it has happened to me. I remember about 25 years ago, no more than that, this time of year, an application came to me through the mail in our home to attend a church conference. I had never been away from home, and really I was scared ever to leave. And I told my parents I wasn't going to go. I had to play baseball. All the kids in Squirrel Hill were home. And I told my parents emphatically I was not going. And they listened. And five weeks later, I arrived at the conference. Grove City College and you know after the first night when I didn't sleep because I was homesick I found that I had a good time so much so I went back the next year and i remember already it was on a Friday afternoon late in the afternoon in the social room of Crawford Hall the great campus of Grove City where a beautiful missionary lady during the mission hour asked if any of us Felt that God was guiding us to go to the Christian ministry or to become a missionary. And for some reason or another, I felt a light and saw it. Really, not knowing what I was doing, I raised my hand. I'll never forget that. Can't remember the woman's name, but I can still see it like it happened ten minutes ago and I went back to that school to go to college. I didn't plan for the ministry, but I'll tell you, every time I walked into that room and saw that chair, and I can still picture it, and it's still there because I looked not too long ago, I got shivers up and down my spine. It wasn't until later, my freshman year, I wrote my father. I told him I really felt though I couldn't fully understand it that God was calling me to become a minister. That room haunts me. And it haunts me because, you see, there I met one of the greatest hours of my life. There I got a little bit of light. I didn't know how I was ever going to follow it, how I could ever stand before people and speak. That was my biggest fear. Now I speak too much. But that was a great concern, and I said, God, I just trust you, and step by step, and here I am. As I look out on this great congregation, and some of you are my heroes, you've been great inspirations to me in my life. And you know why when I analyze it? It's because you've got a little bit of light, and whether it's in the business world, the professional world, or friendship world, whatever world it is, you've taken that light, and you've believed in that light, and you've gone with that light, and you've inspired me because of it. I thank God for you, because you find the light and followed it. It's a great moment in anybody's life when the light comes, and like even of old, you don't fully understand it, but you follow it to your destiny, Graduates of 75 or of whatever year it is. Let me leave with you a verse of Scripture which has long been my favorite, Esther, the fourth chapter, the fourteenth verse. And who knows whether thou hast not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I preached a sermon on that from this pulpit 15 years ago next Sunday. Perhaps this is the hour. Some of you remember Keep that text and remember maybe this is the hour for which you have been born. And I can guarantee you, you may not have happy hours or healthy hours but you'll have great hours. And what the world and the church needs today, not necessarily happy people, but great people. Amen. (laughs) Father, you've created us. You've given us so much. We know not what hour you're coming to call us home or coming to visit us again. But help us no matter what hour we live in to remember that this is the hour perhaps for which we have been born the hour is a part of our destiny the hour when you are speaking and leading and fulfilling that destiny in us and now may the grace of god the love of our lord jesus christ and the communion of his holy spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore amen